Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Despite growing pressure, L.A. City Council members Kevin DeLeon and Hill Cedillo have not stepped down for their role in a racist conversation surrounding the city's redistricting process. This week's council meetings are scheduled to take place virtually due to COVID-19 precautions. But some members of the council have said publicly the meetings shouldn't take place until the two councilmen resign. A scheduled meeting on Friday was shut down due to ongoing public outrage over the controversy. The racist conversation between the city council members and a labor exec struck a familiar chord with Black and Afro-Latinos struggling to gain political representation. KPCC's Emily Elena Dugdale has the details. Afro-Latinos have a rich history in California. For example, Don Pio Pico, a Black indigenous Mexican who was the last governor of Mexican California. Black culture is largely responsible for many elements of what we consider Mexican culture. That's L.A. writer Miriam Gerba. After hearing the racist leaked tapes, she posted a photo of her Black Mexican ancestors on Twitter. Black Latinos told me their identity and political representation can feel non-existent in L.A. And hearing Councilmember Nuri Martinez call a young Black boy a monkey brought to the surface the anti-Blackness they felt in their Latino families. Here's Sonia Smith-Kang. The decisions that are being made for us are coming from someone who doesn't even see you as someone deserving of equal rights. Kang and others told me the resignations of the people on the tapes would be one step in a bigger reckoning around anti-Black conversations and political structure in L.A. For The California Report, I'm Emily Elena Dugdale. Smith Kang is a member of Southern California Public Radio's Regional Advisory Council. She has no influence on editorial content. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Next month, voters will decide whether or not to increase arts funding to public schools across the state. KQED's Julia McAvoy reports on what that would mean for one school in the Bay Area. 
When it comes to high-quality arts education, Richmond High senior Angeli Montanza says it's pretty clear all things are not created equal. Like over the years, I've noticed like communities like mine, Richmond High, where it's predominantly brown kids, we don't get the same opportunity as in like Hercules, which is, you know, uh, predominantly Asian kids and white kids. Montanzas plays viola in the Richmond High Advanced Orchestra. The school of 1,500 students is 85% Latino. Parents, students, and teachers have tried, like here in Richmond High and Kennedy, to get the funding that they have. We don't have the money, you know? Many Richmond High families, including Montanzas's, are working class. Like, not many people say it, but it's also a race thing. It's a socioeconomic class thing. It's just an issue. The quality of arts education varies from district to district and often depends on where you live. Voters in wealthier communities often raise local taxes to fund arts in schools. Those disparities became even more acute during the pandemic. I had so many principals call me or email me saying that my students have been sitting in front of a screen for a year and a half. They need to sing. They need to move. They need to express themselves. Andrea Lundin heads school partnerships for East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, a community organization that sends part-time arts teachers into schools in Richmond to help fill the gaps. Lundin says there is never enough money or artists, which means lots of kids are missing out. Sometimes kids can't really name exactly what's going on emotionally or mentally, but once they start to move or sing or play an instrument, then there's so much healing that goes on. A measure on this year's ballot could help. Proposition 28 would double the amount of money schools get to about $1 billion annually, locking in a permanent source of funding even during tough budget times when schools tend to cut the arts. And a third of that new money would go to schools serving economically disadvantaged students. At Richmond High, that would mean enough to hire someone to help Andrew Wilkie, who teaches seven periods, runs the marching band and the orchestra, oversees all the instruments, scheduling, transportation. This list actually goes on. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm, I'm like at rock bottom emotionally. Because not only am I trying to hold all these classes together and teach them all, I'm trying to find money. Schools must use 80% of their money to hire full-time credentialed teachers, which could help get talented artists like spoken word poet Jazz Monique Hudson back in the classroom. I was set to teach this semester, but could not teach in the teaching art program because there wasn't enough funding for the spoken word program. Hudson found a new full-time job, but says she would love to be able to return to teaching. There is no official opposition to Proposition 28, but there are those critical of so-called ballot box budgeting, voters tying the hands of legislators by locking in a funding structure that can't be undone when a recession hits, for example. Then there is the accountability piece. Schools would have to create new ways of tracking personnel, which could take time and be a big lift. At Richmond High, student Angeli Montanzas is hoping that's something her orchestra leader, Mr. Wilkie, would be willing to do if it means getting more money in the door. Music really, you know, helped me express how I felt deep inside that I couldn't express with words. And also if I'm just having a hard day, you know, just playing music, like I could just let it all out. Wilkie says it's a job he'll happily take on if he can reach more kids. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy. 
that's the California Report for Monday, October 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org/health-equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.